Christians, it is important to really be reminded of who we are in Christ, right? I mean, no matter, you know, how mature you are in the Lord or how young in the Lord you are, it is important to be reminded of, of the significance of our salvation and just the many blessings that come uh, in Christ. And the tendency sometimes really is to kind of take uh, our salvation maybe for granted or not even think about it or maybe even forget what the Lord has done in our lives. And, and what would happen with that? It will, it will affect the way we live and, and serve the Lord. So I pray that this message would uh, exhort all of us, and we need to be reminded uh, of these truths. Um, we have to remember his wondrous works. You know, when he saved us, I mean, you guys all remember when he saved us. That was a glorious day, right? And, and he, he, he saved us from that life of sin and delivered us from that miry pit, and he brought us into this, to this new life in Christ, awesome life that we are being blessed with now. And we also, of course, remember uh, what's gone, gone on since we got saved. I mean, some of you might have been saved many years ago. Some of you might have been saved a few months ago. But we also remember what's gone on since, the work he's been doing in refining us closer to his image. And, and that's, that's the work of God. You know, and we remember also, of course, his, his deliverance from those many uh, difficult seasons and situations we thought that there was no hope, that there was no way out. But God, but God intervened in his perfect timing and according to his perfect will. So we, we remember that. And we also, of course, remember this living hope that he's given us, that we're able to uh, walk in this living faith because based on the promises that he gives us uh, in his word. And we know that the work he started in all of us, he's going to be faithful to complete. And we hang on to that promise. And as his word reminds us of, of these many blessings, as, we're, you know, as we, we study that, you know, more reason to want to live a life that's totally sold out for him, really living wholeheartedly for him and living according to his will and, and, and living in a way where we live in the fullness of what God has for us, taking possession of his many blessings that he gives us in, in Christ Jesus. And there's a lot of blessings, right? In Christ Jesus, there's a lot of blessings. And we have to uh, live in that way, wanting to really glorify him in, in, in the, everything that we do and ultimately really also using the resources, his divine resources that he's given us to be able to really make an impact for his kingdom. Um, so as Christians, really, he's given us so much potential and by his grace, we'll be able to live up to that potential by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that should be the desire of every one of us. Um, in the Old Testament, you know, we, we read about uh, the people of Israel who were who were <clears throat> excuse me who were wandering aimlessly in the wilderness for 40 years you know 40 years they were wandering in the wilderness and because of their disobedience what happened they were never allowed to enter the promised land it would be the next generation that would be allowed to enter the promised land you know we we hear you know we read about in Joshua how how the Lord commissioned uh, Joshua to lead the, the second generation of people into the promised land to to rise up and cross the Jordan and take full possession of the promised land. And, and he promises them, you know, that he would be there with them. And he, t he encourages them really uh, that 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 they wouldn't that they should be strong and that they should be courageous and, and that they would have victory over the enemy. 
that not to fear that the Lord would be with them. And he reminds them, you know, not to deviate from the book of the law, that again, that the Lord would be with them wherever they would go and that they would prosper. Awesome promises, right, for, for his people. And sadly, you know, they, they had so much potential, yet they didn't live up to that potential. Uh, there were some blessings that weren't received because they didn't conquer the entire land. They, they, they didn't t- conquer the enti- all the enemy. You know, so they lost out there, you know. And for us, of course, you know, as believers, what's the promised land? I mean, it signifies this newness in life, right? This life that we walk in victory now. And, and it's, it's an awesome blessing that God has given us. He's given us so much potential as Christians. And he also calls us to take possession of the many blessings that he has for us in Christ Jesus. You know, and, and they're there. You know, he's given us that power, right, to walk in victory. We don't have to walk in defeat anymore, right? We, we have victory over the flesh. We have victory over the sin, the enemy, and the world. We have the Holy Spirit in us, and we could walk in that power, you know, and, 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 it, and we could also walk, of course, in that confidence that God will be with us wherever we go. God is so faithful, and I know all of you could attest to that. You know, and by His grace and, and by His Holy Spirit, we can live to that foolish potential that God has for us. You know, and, and, and in Psalm 111, verse 4, it says, He has made His wonderful works to be remembered. So let us not forget what He's done for us, you know, at, at, us, at our salvation when we came to the Lord, but it let us also be mindful of this amazing work that He's doing even now as we speak and as we walk in the, uh, and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. I mean, he's, he's, he's refining us, right? He's chipping away those things that need to be chipped away. And, and, and we, we have to just submit to that work. And, and we trust that God is working in us a good thing, a thing that's going to ultimately glorify him. And, and, and you know, his, 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 uh, tonight, actually this morning, what we'll be looking at is, uh, if you want to turn there in Second Peter, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15. You know, the Lord is definitely doing a wonderful work in, in all of our lives. And, uh, and, and, you know, we should pray, of course, that we would continue to grow in, in, in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord. There's so much uh, to learn. Uh, we never stop learning, right? We should never stop learning. We should never stop growing. And here... Uh, in this, uh, with Peter, uh, the, just to give you a background, when he wrote his first letter, it was at a time when there was great persecution under Nero. And, 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 and at that time, when he wrote the first letter, he was reminding the believers about the grace of God. And then he, when he writes the this, this second letter that we'll be touching on, he wrote it to really re, uh, uh, alert them on the many false teachers that, will inf- that were infiltrating the church and trying to bring in uh, false doctrine. And Peter, you know, when he wrote this second uh, epistle, this, uh, he, he wrote it actually when he was in prison in, in Rome. He was awaiting to be uh, executed, martyred. Uh, how do he, you guys know how he, he died? Upside down. He, he was crucified upside down. So when he wrote this letter, he was waiting to, to, to be uh, uh, put to death. You know, but... Let me read actually verses 12 through 15. And it, it, this is Peter sharing his heart to the believers. And let me read that. It, it says uh, in verses 12 through 15 of chapter 1, 2 Peter. It says, For this reason I would not be negligent to remind you 
always of these things. Though you know and are established in the present truth, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that surely I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. So Peter felt it was important enough to remind them of the importance, really, uh, as we'll see, on the knowledge of God and, and to know his truth and to allow their faith to grow based on those truths. You know, he thought it was important and more reason, you know, the people that, the believers that, that read it, they should have take, t- taken heed to it because this is a guy who was awaiting to be put to death. So if, it, if the Lord put that in his heart to share, you know, that, that's important, right? So the, 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 this knowledge that Peter is, will be emphasizing to them, uh, you know, it's, it's not merely an intellectual understanding of truth. It's really having a living and active participation in that truth, living out the truth. And that should be the desire for all of us, right? Living out the truth of his word and remembering the truth of his word, including those many promises that he gives us. That keeps us going, right? That gives us hope. And so many of you are, you know, maybe already, you know, you're established in the faith and you know the truth, but we all still need to be reminded and take heed to his truth, take, just be reminded of, of the saving faith that has been uh, given to us and what he expects us as Christians uh, to do with that saving faith. And we all want to be at a point where, 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 where we're living out the faith and growing and maturing in our walks. I mean, I, I think all of us want to do that, right? And Peter, in these scriptures that we'll be looking at, he's exhorting the Christians on the importance of growing into spiritual maturity to be able to, def- to uh, have defended against the false teachers that were keep creeping in. Now, in, our, in th- these times, we're close to the end times, aren't we? The last, of the, uh, the last days are, 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 are here. And we're seeing more and more false teachers coming in, trying to spread their false teachings, false doctrine, and, and it's creeping into the church. Some churches are, are welcoming that kind of doctrine. So more reason for us that we should be living in a way where we're, first of all, growing spiritually, but also being able to learn more of the truth, be reminded of his truth, and be able to defend the truth, to be able to stand in the truth. And that's, that should be a, a, a warning for, for all of us. You know, in, in 2 um, Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 3 to 5, it's a reminder in regards to this that for, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their eyes, uh, I mean, sorry, their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. You know, that, that's a warning for us. We have to be watchful. We, we have to endure those afflictions that come our way. And, and we have to be doing the work of the ministry that God has called us. And we have to defend the faith. And be, before we could defend the faith, we have to know the truth. And, and, and really 
have a good grasp of, of what the word of God says. So let's go ahead. Let me read verses 1 through 11 of, of this chapter 1 of Second Peter. It says, Simon Peter, a, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted and even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Great exhortation from Peter. You know, and we see that uh, there's four main points that Peter is reminding the believers of, and four of course, points that we should be reminded of. First of all, number one, point one is, is the resource of our faith. The resource of our faith in verses one and two. And, and the second is, is the riches of our faith in verses three and four. And thirdly, the, the response to our faith, verses five through nine. And then uh, fourthly, the rewards of our faith in verses 10 through 11. And if you look at verse one, how does Peter introduce himself? as a bond servant, then as an apostle, right? And that, that signifies a lot. You know, in Peter's life, he had, the Lord had to do a work in his life, right? He had, at this point, he had, already, he had grown and matured in his spiritual walk because we know the previous Peter, what was he? He was first, the first to act in the flesh, right? He was first to open his mouth. He was first to, the one to take out his sword, you know, and, and he was the one that, that reassured Jesus that he would never deny him. That was the previous Peter. But here, he's demonstrating a spirit of humility, isn't he? And, and he's, he's referring to himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ before everything else, including his, his, his position as an apostle. That's, that's humility there. And, and he realized that as a servant, he stood at the same level as every other believer, ready to accept, obey, and fulfill the orders of his Lord. That's a spirit of humility, and that's the spirit that we need to have as we serve the Lord. It has to be with a humble spirit. And you guys know that in Christ, we're all called to be bond servants, right? You know, serving him, of course, above everything else. And, and, and you know, we were created for what? To serve him, right? So in 1 Samuel twelve twenty four says, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth, with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. You know, so we serve God out of our love for him, out of our gratitude for what he has done for us thus far. 
And that should be our mindset. You know, the word bondservant comes from the word doulos. You guys know what doulos means? Slave. And it's a blessing that in Christ, you know, it, it, we, we've been uh, transformed from slaves of, of, of unrighteousness walking in darkness to slaves of righteousness walking in the light for his service. That's an awesome blessing that we should be reminded of. You know, and as Peter, we too should desire to serve the Lord in humility, right? And, and, and that means what? Dying to self, taking up our cross daily and following him. Sometimes that's hard, right? It's hard to put things, our self-interest aside, even pride aside. We want to do our own thing sometimes. But the, the Lord calls us to really die to those things and serve him, follow him first and foremost, and everything else follows. So in verse 1, it also says, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us. So the word obtain here means receiving something by lot. In this case, receiving this faith by uh, divine allotment, God's divine will. It's, this precious faith is a gift from God. Do you guys know that? You know, God loved us so much. He was so gracious with us when we were sinners that what did he do? He, he revealed himself to us. He revealed his glory to us when we were dead in sin. And, and, and thank God that we responded. You know, so God is so gracious, and this faith that we have in him is a gift uh, that, that we all have from him. Uh, and it says it's, it's, it says it's like precious faith, meaning of equal value. Okay, so even though Peter was an apostle, you know, he walked with, with, the, with Jesus. He saw the many miracles of Jesus. He still acknowledged his faith was no different from the faith of other believers. In this case, he's, he's, he's also reassuring the Gentile believers that their faith was no different than the believing Jews. And in our case, you know, our faith and standing with the Lord today is no different than the faith of the apostles centuries ago. And, and that's an awesome reassurance and, and, and that God is not a respecter of persons, position, or there's no distinction in God's eyes. You know, and, and, and this saving faith is so precious because why? It's available to all men who choose to place their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ. And, and our faith is a gift from God. It's precious because the salvation we obtain from it is available to all men. Salvation is not a respecter of persons. You know, so that's an awesome blessing and a reassurance. And it's precious because from it, God imputes the righteousness of Jesus Christ, right? And, and you guys know what that means. You know, as we surrender our lives to Christ, we are covered in his righteousness, completely redeemed of our sins. He wipes our sins clean. He re remembers our sins no more. We are forgiven. You know, and we know that with that, the accuser of the brethren has no case against us anymore. You know, we know there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So this saving faith is precious because from it, we, also, we become this new creation in Christ, right? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. You guys all know you're a new creation in Christ? And that's an awesome blessing. We live with that. We should live with that mindset. And I pray that if any of you here this morning uh, have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior, I would encourage you to do so this morning. Because we know tomorrow is promised to no one, right? And today is the day of salvation. And, and don't hesitate. 
in verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So it's, it's not until we come to this precious saving faith that we can experience this abundant grace, right? You guys know this abundant grace, right? You, we've all experienced it. We're still experiencing it. It's that undeserved favor from God. No matter what we do, his grace is there. When we fall, his grace picks us up. You know, when, when, when we're feeling down and out or weak, his grace is our all-sufficiency. And, and that's a blessing. And with that, of course, what comes with that? The peace of God and the peace with God. And we know we all have the peace of God in our lives now, right? No matter what we're experiencing, what trial we're in, we, we could experience and go through it because we have a peace in it because we know God is working. And God is working a good thing through that. And, a, and, and he's going to be glorified through that. So we trust in that. You know, so Peter prays here that this grace and peace would be multiplied in our lives. So that's awesome because it's not just a little bit of grace. No, it, it's an abundant supply of grace, grace upon grace every day. And as wretched as we are, <laughs> we do need his grace every day, don't we? And we fall on that grace. Now, Paul uh, mentions that, th- that uh, this abundant grace and peace are obtained through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So the word knowledge here comes from the Greek word epignosis, which signifies a deep, intense, rich, and intimate knowledge of God. Truly knowing God in a personal way. You know, it implies having that close, intimate fellowship with the Lord. You know, have, really knowing Him in a way where you're going to experience the awesome grace and peace of God. Knowing Him in a deep, intimate way. In Philippians 3.10, Paul prayed that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. That should be the prayer for every one of us. You know, not, not take those things for granted. Be reminded of, of the God that we serve. And there's power, you know, and, 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 and we, we should be able to, as we dwell on His Word and meditate on His Word, we, we get to know him that much more, right? And he reveals himself to us. And our prayer should be that we would grow in a deep knowledge of who he is, apply his truths in the way we live. And, and he's so gracious that he's given us his word. And, and, and ultimately, it's up to us, of course, to abide by it. Having a close fellowship with the Lord, communing with him, having that koinonia with the Lord. Awesome fellowship that he has given us the privilege to know him in that way. And Peter adds here that this intimate knowledge would extend to knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. So let me ask, you know, do we really know and acknowledge Jesus as our Lord? Are we allowing him to, to be our Lord every day? Or are we allowing other things to, to uh, Lord over us? It could be anything, right? I mean, it could be our jobs. It could be hobbies. It could be our kids. It could be other distractions that are moving us away and we're allowing those things to lord over us. And what do we do with the Lord? We're putting him in the back burner. You know, so are, are we truly allowing him to be the Lord of our lives? And, and that should be a, a daily thing. So we see in these two verses that Peter is emphasizing the need to have Jesus Christ as the firm foundation of this saving faith. It starts there, right? Jesus Christ is the rock of our salvation. He needs to be the foundation. And 
he uh the word says he, he he's the cornerstone on which we can grow our faith who's here in construction anybody work in construction you guys know that you know when you want to build a, a, a building it's got to be with the right foundation right and, and if you want to have that building to uh, stand and stay the course of time and 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 resist the environmental pressures that come in it's got to be built on the right foundation so for us believers you know, we, we need to, of course, also uh, have, have Jesus Christ as, as our foundation uh, on which we build our faith. And from that, we grow and mature in him. Now, so Jesus Christ is the divine resource from which we can acquire this precious faith. Now, as we do that, though, as we place our, our trust uh, in him, what, what does this precious faith give us? I mean, what do we possess in Christ? What are the riches of his precious faith? And we look at verses 3 and 4. Let me read that. It says, as his divine power has, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now we see here God by his divine power says has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And, 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 and not only that, he gives us his promises that we could hold on to, you know, as we, as we live this life. And on top of that, he's, he's telling us we could uh, partake in his divine nature. I mean, these are awesome things he's given us, right, in Christ. And, and it says that it's his divine power, meaning this power is from whom? From him, right? It's that, 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 it, that eternal, infinite power that created the universe. His majestic power that when we see the, 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 the nature out there and everything he's created, that is the power of God. That same power is that the power gave us, the, uh, uh, I mean, raised up the, the Lord Jesus. It's that same power that heals the sick, that raises the dead. You know, it's, it's the same power that's doing a work in us. You know, so we have to be mindful of the fact that his power is infinite and, and it's, it's, it's never, it never ends. You know, and that, that's awesome because we have everything that we need for life and godliness. You know, I have, I have a, a, a motorcycle that I never ride. <laughs> it's always tucked in the garage, unfortunately. I don't have time, but it, it needs to be uh, plugged in to a triple charger. Because you know what happens, of course, if I unplug it, the battery's going to go dead, and for sure that motorcycle's going to stay there in the garage. You know, but it, 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 with God, you know, we, we, we have the, we've been given this infinite, never-ending supply of energy power, right, that, that we may live a life of godliness. His power never runs out. You know, so we could live every day knowing that we have been given uh, God's power through His Holy Spirit to be able to live in a way that's godly. And, and this power was, was given to us, nothing that we earned or deserved. It was all by his grace. You know, so what does Peter mean by life and godliness? You know, there's two things there, right? The life is internal, which pertains to the life of God being associated with our life. You know, his, his life gets intertwined with, uh, our lives get intertwined with his life. You know, he starts doing an internal transformation in our heart. We all been given a new heart in Christ, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, and, and it's, the, it, it's by the power of his Holy Spirit that starts really working in our hearts and, and transforming us from the inside out. And the godliness, well, that, that's the external manifestation of what's going on internally. This newness of life in us, it starts beginning to transform us from, on the outside as well. So you start seeing the fruit in our lives. We start being able to live godly. We start being able to reflect Jesus Christ in the way we live. And that should be our prayer for every one of us, that we magnify Christ in our lives. And he's given us all the resources. Um, so when we're born again, we receive everything that we need for life and godliness. Nothing needs to be added. In, in Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You guys know we're complete in him? He has filled every void, right? And, and we need to trust in that by his Holy Spirit. And, and just like a baby who's born with all the genetic makeup that it needs, all the vital organs that it needs, you know, the, the muscles, the tendons, the skin, to be able to grow up into an adult. And, 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 and as long as that baby has the proper nourishment and the, and the nurturing and the care, he, that baby could grow up into an adult. And, and as Christians, as believers, we, we've been given everything we need for life and godliness. And we've been given that capacity to be able to grow spiritually and mature spiritually as long as we receive that right nourishment. And that nourishment, of course, is God's word and submitting to the Holy Spirit. So it says he called us by glory and virtue. It wasn't our glory, right? It was God's glory uh, and his goodness that called us. You know, when we, you guys remember when you, when you got saved? I mean, it was God's glory that was revealed to us, right? And, and we felt his goodness. We felt his love uh, uh, encourage us. And, and thank God we responded. So it is, we are being called by his glory and virtue. In verse 4, it says, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So his promises are great because why? God is great, right? And, 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 and he, he's so faithful. We know that, right? He's so faithful in his promises. Who could agree to that? I mean, he's come through with his promises, right? I mean, we could all attest to that. So his promises are precious because they are priceless. Their value is beyond calculation. There's, there's nothing compares to the promises of God that he's revealed in his word. We have to hang on to those promises because that's what allows us to keep going as Christians. That, that no matter what comes our way, we trust in his promises. And, and it says uh, that through these promises that we may be partakers of his divine nature. I mean, that's an awesome promise that, that God in his love for us, he's given us believers his divine nature. Do we deserve any of that? No, right? It's been all by his grace. And... And guess what? If, if we could share in his divine nature, he's enabled us to live more and more like Christ. So the world is under bondage of sin and corruption, right? But as believers, of course, with this new nature he's given us, he helps us to say no to the lust of flesh, to the lust of the flesh, and sin no longer reigns in us. It shouldn't. Because we have his divine nature, we have the Holy Spirit to say no to those things. We could walk in the power of of the Holy Spirit and bear fruit. 
And we know the fruit of the Spirit, right? That's, that's the, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, self-control. And in his divine, it's his divine nature and awesome promises that helps us, what, endure through those trials, through those afflictions that hit us. We hang on to his promises during those difficult seasons. And I know many of us have, are going through some difficult times. You know, and, and, and that's what we hang on to, those things, because we know he promises in his word that he will work things off for good. So we trust in that promise when we face those times. Let's say our loved ones are sick. Maybe they're struggling with cancer. Maybe it's our finances. Maybe we lost our job. We're having a hard time putting food on the table. Maybe it's one of our kids that's gone wayward. Maybe it's our marriage, you know, that's, in, 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 that's having difficulty And maybe it's a struggle with addictions. And we feel that there's no victory over that. We feel that we can't be delivered from that. But that that is when we have to trust in the Lord on his his promises. That he will deliver us if we surrender to him. And and he's going to deliver us in a way where we give him the victory. And we're able to keep pressing on and staying the course during these times. Um, And he promises that one day that he will return, right? That one day that, he, you know, we're going to be perfected and glorified in him. So he gives us these promise to, promises to help, help us live in the present, but he also gives us these promises to help us live for the future. And, and we need to be living also with that mindset, right? That eternal mindset and not be totally engulfed with the temporal. Because we know God, we have a, a future and a hope in the Lord. Right, And we live with that mindset. No matter what's coming at us, God is in the horizon. And, we're, and we're, one day we're going to be with him. And he's going to do a good thing through everything else. In regards to his promises uh, and his work in Ecclesiastes 3.11, I just love this scripture. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has, he has put eternity in, in, in their hearts, except that no one can uh, uh, find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Beautiful, reassuring promise from the Lord, right? So whatever is coming out at, 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 at us, we need to live with that mindset. God is in control. And so, you know, these are abundant riches that, that come with our faith, and, and we have his power, we have his promises, we could share in the divine nature. What should be our response as believers? You know, we, he says he's given us everything we need. What more is needed? Well, our cooperation, right? Uh, you know, with the process of sanctification requires our cooperation with the Holy Spirit. You know, as a, as a physician, when I, I see patients, you know, they come to me and, and I could diagnose them with a problem and, and I could prescribe treatment, I could prescribe medication, I could prescribe a diet, exercise, weight loss, whatever they have to do to improve their, their problem. But ultimately, it's up to them to do their part, right? They have to take their medicine. They have to follow the treatment regimen or else they're not going to get well. You know, so God, uh, for us, has equipped us with everything we need for life. So positionally, we have everything we need but we still need to put these things into practice, apply these resources that God has given us in a way that we live and grow as Christians. 
in, in uh, Philippians 2, uh, verses 12 through 13, it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So it's not working for our salvation. It's working out our salvation. And he promises that he's going to work in us to do his will and his, and his good pleasure. So we're in, a, we're in good hands. You know, we just have to submit to the Holy Spirit. And where there's life, there must be growth, right? Spiritual growth is not automatic. We know that, right? Uh, it, doesn't re- it, 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 does, it does require us to, to do our part. We, you know, we can't just be kind of kicking back and you say, oh, yeah, I have a Bible here. Um, I never read it, but I have it here next to my bed. I go to bed with it every day and expect the Lord to, to do a work. It's not by osmosis, right? We, we grow spiritually because we do our part as we dwell in his word and allow him to work in our hearts and in our lives. So it does take our part. And one thing to keep in mind, you know, we could grow spiritually as much as we want, right? We can. And we should never stop growing. No matter, again, how, how young in the Lord or how old you are in the Lord, you should never stop growing in the Lord. We could never fully attain it. You know, spiritual maturity does not also necessarily follow the, the physical age. So we have the, uh, you could have an older person who could remain spiritually immature and remain a babe in Christ. And you could have a young person who's very spiritually mature, full of godly wisdom. It's really up to us what we want to uh, we want to do our part. So practically, uh, you know, how should we be living as a believer? You know, so we, we you know, we, what should be our response to everything that God has given to us? And let's read verses 5 through 8. Here Peter gives seven characteristics or virtues of a godly life. And let me read that. It says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you would never, uh, you would neither uh, uh, be barren or, or, or be nor unfruitful in the knowledge. You never, excuse me, you would you would be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, because of what God has done for us, has uh, what He's given to us. We are to, says to give all diligence, meaning giving every effort. You know, we know our, our faith is not based on, uh, our salvation is not based on our effort and our works. Our faith should produce good works, right? So we add to the faith, add, the word add means to supply generously. So how, how can we demonstrate these, these qualities, virtues in our daily living? We abide in him, right? The word says the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. So abiding in him, you know, the first quality we see is the virtue means moral excellence. So fulfilling the purpose that God has for us in Christ Jesus, you know, fulfilling that purpose. And in our case, we live a life of virtue, bring pleasure to him and bring glory to him. So our Christian conduct needs to be done in excellence as much as we can with the power of the Holy Spirit. As we serve him, we need to serve him in excellence with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's all by His grace that He allows us to do that and, and demonstrating the goodness of God in our lives to a lost world. And Warren Risby quotes, uh, true virtue in the Christian life is not polishing human qualities, no matter how fine they may be, 
but producing divine qualities that make the person more like Jesus Christ. So it says, to virtue we add knowledge. So knowledge is gaining godly wisdom through his word, right? It's that godly wisdom, that practical knowledge that gives us that spiritual insight, that discernment to be able to live in a way that's godly, to make decisions in a godly way. And we seek his knowledge through his word. And his spirit leads and directs us through that. So we all want to be growing in the knowledge of who he is. And to knowledge, we add self-control. You guys remember before we came to Christ, we were out of control, right? <laughs> there was no self-control. And, 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 and here, you know, knowledge does dictate on how we should act or behave, but we still need the power of self-control with the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to, to, be able to have that self-control that's godly, to, 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 to live in a godly way and, and be under the, the discipline of the, of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul, uh, he cor- correlated the self-discipline with the athlete who competed for the prize in, um, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. It says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? One in, run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. It does, the Christian life is hard, you know, but it does take discipline, self-discipline, and, and with that, self-control. Not, not uh, um, giving to the things of the flesh. You know, we have the Holy Spirit in us to say no to those things now. And to self-control, what does it say? We add perseverance, the patience, right? And in this case, we have a steadfast patience under adversity. You guys agree that with the trials and the afflictions that, that we experience, we have a patience through it. We're able to endure because why? God is carrying us through that. And he, we know that God is doing a good work. You know, so we have that, that, that perseverance through it all. Whereas before, what, what was our tendency? I'm, I'm out of here. Well, I'm going to jump ship. I, I can't handle this. In it. You know, and we wouldn't have it, the strength of the Lord to carry us. But now we do. And he's, he's working. And it says to perseverance, we add godliness. Godliness meaning a God-likeness. Living with a reverence to God. Okay? It, living with that godly fear. Seeking the will of God and allowing the will of God to overflow in our lives. And, and that's... That's, that's the, the godliness that God expects us to have if, in every one of our lives. Now, it says to that, you add brotherly kindness, which comes from the word Philadelphia, the filial type of love that we extend to others. You know, in Romans uh, 12.10, it says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. The love for the brethren. You know, and then lastly, the last virtue says that of love, the agape love, you know, that unconditional love that sacrificial love that, that Jesus demonstrated for all of us at the cross. We're able to demonstrate that love to others. That means loving others when they don't deserve it. Loving others who offend us. Loving others not based on their performance on merit. Loving unconditionally. You know, loving them in a way with the love of Christ that goes a long way. As people see that, they are drawn to Christ. You know, so it's an awesome 
privilege to be able to demonstrate the love of Christ to the world. And these seven virtues that I've discussed are, could only be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. And these virtues, of course, help us become more and more Christ-like, right? That's part of the sanctification process for all of us, submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit to become more like Christ. In verse 8, it says, For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the more we allow the Spirit to work through us, the more fruit we're going to be, bear, we're going to be able to bear for his kingdom, be more usable for God's service. So the opposite of spiritual growth is idleness, you know, being barren, being unfruitful. And, and the word idle means ineffective. So our desire should be that we would cultivate these virtues to be more, more effective, more usable for God's purposes and to really make an impact. So in verse 9, it says, uh, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to, the, to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So being short-sighted is not being able to see at a distance. You know, it reminds me, my wife and I, we had gone to Lake Tahoe and, and we were going to be coming back. We had a flight to catch in Reno and, and it was early flight. It was at, at 6 o'clock in the morning. So we had to leave at 4 a.m. from Tahoe. And at that time, it was a deep fog a deep, deep fog that you couldn't see at a distance. But we had to drive through that and through the mountains to hit the airport. And the only way we could, the, the, the distance we could actually see is like five feet up in front of the car. So we were relying on, on, on the line and, and just to get us through all the curves through the mountains. So we, we couldn't see at a distance. And spiritually, of course, you know, we're short-sighted spiritually. We're unable to see the things of God that he has for us now or in the future. If we're spiritually uh, nearsighted, we can't see uh, the person in front, in front or far who God wants us to minister to. You know, and, and that one of the, the, the worship songs that, that, that they, they sang was, uh, you know, to, 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 to keep your eyes on the Lord and keep, you know, a sight on our Savior. You know, so we don't want to get blinded by the things of the world or our other hobbies and that would blind us to the things of the Lord. You know, so what happens if, if, we're, if we're nearsighted we're, we're, and we're, we, we don't focus on God, right? We, who are we focusing on? On ourselves. You know, so being spiritually nearsighted also, it will hinder us. And, and, and worst off, if we're totally blind to the things of God. So if we forget the work he's done, in, in redeeming us, if we forget about the sanctifying work, we're going to less, be less likely to want to share the love of Christ with others. So in verse 10, it says, Therefore, brethren, be mo even more uh, diligent to make your call elect and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. So as we place our faith and trust in Jesus, as, and we, do, we are secure in Christ, but... As, as we're diligent to grow spiritually and bear fruit for his kingdom, it's an assurance for us, and we're less likely to stumble or be tripped up. You know, so Warren Risby quotes, the growing Christian walks with confidence because he knows he is secure in Christ. It is not our profession of faith that guarantees that we are saved. It's our progression in the faith that gives us assurance. The person who claims to be a child of God but whose character and conduct give no evidence of spiritual growth is deceiving himself and heading for judgment. You know, so 
it has to be a living faith, right? And, and, and we have to be fruitful. Uh, in John 13, 35, it says, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. They will know us by our love, right? They will know us by our fruit. They will see Christ in us by the way we live. And in verse 11, it says, For so an entrance will be suppl- supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's an abundant entrance that Peter is referring to. In Peter's day, we had, they, they had the, the Greek uh, athletes who, 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 who competed in the, the Olympics games at that time. And th- those who were victorious would come home to an awesome welcome, an abundant welcome for their victory. And, and as believers, what, are, what do we expect when we go home in the, to the Lord in heaven? There's going to be a, an abundant welcome for us, right? It's going to be a glorious welcome that we could look forward to. And, and, and we all could look forward to those, to those uh, crowns of, of righteousness that, that every believer could, could enjoy in the glory of the Lord. You know, and, and, and it's an awesome thing. The Apostle Paul, shortly before he was martyred in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he, he shares, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearance. So I pray that every one of us, family, that we would continue to grow in the knowledge and and, and the grace of our Lord, that we would run the race with that endurance, but also want to run to finish that race strong. So, So we would one day... You know, meet our Lord, and, he, and we would hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, we, we saw, my wife and I, we went to go see a movie. You might, some of you might have seen it. I could only imagine. Who's, who's seen that movie? It's a good movie, right? And, and it does deal with this, uh, the, the person who, who, uh, who, who sang that song, but his life, you know, this whole life of turmoil with his dad abusing him, but, but his dad ultimately comes to the Lord before he dies of cancer. You know, but, but the, the, the gentleman, you know, he, he shares that testimony and, and, and he writes a song about that, saying that I could only imagine what, what's going to happen when I get to heaven, that, that I would meet the Lord, that he would be embracing me. It would be a glorious welcome. And then we would be praising him. You know, and that's, the, that's the, what we should be looking forward as believers. One day, we will be in the presence, His glorious presence. And, and, and more reason, as He has us here, as long as He has us here, live for Him.